Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello and welcome back to Let Me Tell You a Story. It's been a hot ass minute because Nils and I were out of town. We went to the forest up in NorCal and then went to the desert and now we're back. And I know I promised an episode literally like within days of the last one. And I failed. <laughs> I'm sorry. So because it's been a hot minute since we discussed our latest criminal, Sharon Kinney, I thought let's start with a really good rundown. All right. You ready, babe? Yep. Sharon Kinney became a widow after her husband died following a horrendous accident, according to Sharon, of course. Sharon had told police that their very own daughter had shot her father while he slept with his very own gun, which he left on his bed conveniently for his toddler to find and then use on her father. Sharon also claimed that she had been in the bathroom doing her makeup when the accident occurred. Police bought her story and Sharon moved on with her life and her newfound wealth thanks to James's life insurance payout. That money then paid for Sharon's new whip, that Ford Thunderbird, and introduced her to her new suitor, the man who sold her the Thunderbird, Mr. Walter Jones. He was married to a Mrs. Patricia Jones, but Sharon didn't give a shit because when he refused to leave Patricia, Sharon decided to take matters into her own hands. She called Patricia and then confessed the entire affair, but she pretended to be the mistress's sister instead of copping to be the actual mistress, which obviously she was. Very clever. She then asked Patricia to meet, and after that meeting, Patricia disappeared. Conveniently, Sharon then just so happened to be the one to find Patricia's body along with her boyfriend, yes, boyfriend, John Boldis, at a place that she also conveniently suggested they go to play a little backside bingo, remember? Mm. He was like, hey, this is weirdly convenient. And so he told police. And police were like, hey now, that woman's husband was shot just a couple months ago. And yeah, you know what? It was kind of weird that her two-year-old was the shooter. But now she's also at the scene of a dead woman's body who just so happens to be the wife of the man she was having an affair with. Hmm, maybe we should take a second look here. And bam, Sharon is charged with the murders of both Patricia Jones and her former husband, James Kinney. And that all happened within a couple of months. Busy lady, Miss Sharon Kinney. Sharon is later acquitted of the murder of Patricia Jones and she signs autographs on her way out of the courtroom because bitch is a full-on celebrity. Hot 50s woman with a dead husband having an affair with a married man while also frolicking around town with a boyfriend and oh yeah, also an alleged murderer. The headlines just kind of write themselves. The state goes in extra hard for her next trial because they are pissed. They can't help but feel like her newfound celebrity is playing in Sharon's favor, which let's be real, it most likely is. So they pull out all the stops and bam, Sharon is convicted of the murder of James Kinney. But unfortunately for the state, pulling all the stops includes some for reals prosecutorial misconduct and Sharon's defense skips down to the Supreme Court to tattle on the state. And it works. The Supreme Court finds more than a few reasons to grant Sharon a new trial. And that is where we left off. All right, baby. Let me tell you a story. Yay. <laughs> you know in like bad movies they do that? Yeah, they always say the name of the movie. Mm -hmm. Like yeah. some guy says it to another guy. Like, I think it's cute. It's half past dead. <laughs> you know? Yeah. In Family Guy they make a joke of that. Okay. 
Anyways, <laughs> let me tell you a story about La Pistolera, responsible for one of the longest outstanding felony warrants in the history of the United States. Are you ready? Yeah. All right. It's exciting. Mm-hmm. So Sharon had been granted a literal gift from God himself, a new trial, and that trial gets underway on March 23rd, 1964. Notice that we're in the 60s, so you can definitely look forward to some 60s <laughs> slang. I'm hip to that. Good. Sharon is literally a household name at this point, so jury selection takes forever. According to reports, selection began at 9 a.m. and ended just before midnight. Like, what the F? Can you even imagine? Honestly, it's kind of incredible that in 1964, they took the proper precautions to, like, make sure that the jury was, like, legit, knowing full well that there's so much bias at this point. The f what, like, everyone had no court system in 1964? Like, what are you saying? Like, everyone... Well... Everyone's stupid in 64. <laughs> no, but like based on all of the awfulness of our, judi our judicial system nowadays, you would think that like back then it would have been even worse. But I'm like amazed to hear that they were like, no, we have to do this properly. I don't know. I mean, the Constitution's been around for a minute, right? Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. So yeah, 14 hours of jury selection sounds like a literal nightmare, but honestly, I kind of respect it. The selected jurors were then sequestered, and hopefully they were able to get some serious sleep. Unfortunately, it would all be for nothing, because the judge was forced to declare a mistrial after it was revealed that the prosecutor in the case, Lawrence Gapford, had previous ties to one of the jurors. Oh, man. Yeah, the prosecution just can't seem to get their shit together. So another month would go by before the third trial began on June 29th with another grueling day of jury selection. 12 hours total, but no previous juror prosecution ties, so that was a win, I guess, at least. You're super looking forward to jury service. Oh my god, right? I cannot wait. Like to when do they jury put duty. you up in like a Motel 6. Yeah, side note, Nils and I are both not American citizens, and I cannot wait to become an American citizen so I can do jury duty. We are legal residents. Yeah, obviously. We're legal aliens. Yeah, so don't come after us because we're here legally. All right. We pay our taxes. We got green cards. Here's the thing. Here is the thing, okay? Jury duty is a, is my civil duty as it is yours. Yeah. It just seems like I could make way more money not doing jury duty and then pay more taxes. Yeah, but it's not about the money. And then that's a better contribution no. to society. Mm -mm. It's not about the money. It's about doing your duty and... For the American judicial system. Bullshit. You just want to, like, be on a fucking murder case. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Imagine I'm, like, so excited. I'd, like, dress up in my best outfit, get my makeup done, my hair done, and then I go, and it's, like, for some bullshit yeah, like, like, traffic ticket. Yeah. It's the, the guy with the most traffic tickets. And like, Actually, that would be kind of interesting. If yeah, he had, like, be. a thousand traffic tickets. Guarantee you, the, the jury trial, no matter what it is, I will do a podcast episode on it. I don't think you're allowed. Why? I can talk about it after the fact. I listened to jurors talk about after like the Casey Anthony murder trial. So like imagine being on a murder trial or like some big trial and being a juror and then getting to talk about it afterwards. Oh, yeah. it's amazing. I just like want to be in a courtroom, I think. I'm just like in love with the idea. It seems so romantic to me, which I know sounds really dark and weird. <sighs> it's good. Or I have this like fantasy sometimes where I'm the juror who 
Oh, God. Rightfully <laughs> believes in the innocence of the defendant. And, like, everyone's like, no. And I'm like, no, guys, listen. And then I help get an innocent man or woman off the hook. And then he goes and murders, like, nine people. No, no, no. He's innocent. So he doesn't murder anybody. But he's so he's outraged. Innocent. No, that would be sad. But I did listen to a podcast about a guy who did that. And that was really sad. Anyways, let's do this. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Sharon's boyfriend and co-body finder, John Boldis, took the stand again as he did in the first trial. And again, he told jurors that Sharon had offered him money to kill her husband. But again, he said, you know what? I'm just not that sure that she was being serious. This time, however, he also told the jury that Kinney had asked him specifically not to tell police about her offering him money. But honestly, like, let's be real. Does John really seem like the greatest witness? Because dude seems a bit dumb, right? Um, yeah, but like, that's pretty damning evidence, isn't it? I, I don't know. Hey. If you immediately say like, hey, we found this body together and also she had offered me money to kill her husband... But, like, she wasn't serious. It just kind of seems like, dude, what, like, who are you? I mean, yeah, he sounds dumb. But, like, also, when someone's like, hey, I will give you money to kill my husband. Maybe I'm joking. Don't tell the police. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, totally. Now, the real star of the show was Miss Sharon Kinney herself, who took the stand in her own defense. Some sort of grand finale, if you will, on the last day of the trial. But remember, Sharon Kinney was a star. A real fox. And the all-male oh, jury... No. <laughs> oh, no. What? Is it happening? <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Let me say that sentence again, just in case. A real fox. And the all-male jury just couldn't decide what to do. So they returned to the courtroom and were like, We can't decide. You dig? <laughs> Oh, no, I was right. It is happening. So, wait, hold on a minute. Who? (laughs) You should be embarrassed. (laughs) You're supposed to be the professional. (laughs) So, wait a minute. When you're picking a jury, Mm -hmm. the defense and the prosecution have to agree, right? Right. Like, you can X out the other person's thing, and eventually you're just like, I'm tired of this, like, whatever. Totally. Right. But they, they... the, the prosecution were like, it's fine to have all guys. You mean the defendant, the defense. No, the defense oh, wants yeah, yeah, all yeah. guys. The prosecution, yeah, The prosecution's yeah, I guess like, so. whatever, or they didn't even think it through. And then it's like this hot I know, and lady. also, like, this isn't the first trial. We saw what happened after the first trial. She was, she was, well, I mean, in Patricia Jones's murder, she was acquitted, right? By an all-male jury. And then she signed the autographs for them. Yeah, dude, they're so just popping bonus. It's very... Sh- exactly. It's very shocking that the prosecution would be okay with with an all-male jury yet again. But somehow they are. Also, the prosecution are dumb. <laughs> like, clearly, they cannot get it right. right sorry. Right? To, yeah. Sorry to interrupt your amazing 60s impersonation. It's Okay. Man. No, it's fine. <laughs> so yeah, so they're like, we can't, we can't decide. You dick. <laughs> and the judge is like, well, Ras my berries. Oh god. <laughs> Mistrial. He was old. He was, he well, was yeah, from the totally. early sixties. Yeah, he hadn't quite gotten in with the new sixties ago. To the new jazz. He wasn't hip to the new jazz. He was definitely still stuck in the fifties, and he declared a mistrial. Declared. And he declared a mistrial. So a fourth trial was set. Fourth 
trial. It's good stuff. It's insane. So the fourth trial isn't set to begin until October, which gives Sharon a little bit of time to cause some serious shit. Remember, she's actually still out on bail, which to Sharon meant, eh, it's probably a great time to take a little vacation. Or perhaps you could call it a romantic getaway because allegedly, definitely, Sharon had a new man in her life, a Mr. Francis Samuel Puglese. And the two traveled to Mexico in September to get hitched, according to later testimony. Sharon took on an alias, Jeanette Puglese. Oh my God. Which is not that great of an alias, if you ask me, since she literally used her boyfriend's last name. But they got married. They didn't. Oh. But whatever, to each their own. Now, technically, this little trip wouldn't have been illegal since Kenny was allowed to leave the country while on bail. But she did have to get written permission to leave the state of Missouri, let alone go to Mexico, which she did not. So she actually would have been allowed to leave the country if she would have just said so. Got a note from her mom. Yeah, like according to like the bail agents or whatever, she had um, to like say, hey, I'm planning on going to Mexico. I haven't seen a picture of this woman, but I think I'm falling in love with her. Yeah, she's... She's dope. She's insane. <laughs> you haven't seen a picture of her? No. You want me to show you? Yeah. She's very 50s looking. <laughs> but for the 50s, don't you think? Her hair is a little scary. Is that, is that the one picture? That's like the most famous picture. She looks like Margaret Thatcher, dude. What? No, she doesn't. Find a young picture of Margaret Thatcher. You've got to be out of your goddamn <laughs> not, not that one. <laughs> Margaret Thatcher. No, babe. Are you kidding? Are yeah, you kidding? All right, all right, all Margaret right. Margaret Thatcher. Whatever. Kenny's not that hot, dude. <laughs> all right, so she didn't get permission, whatever, and she knew the rules, but that obviously did not stop her. She dropped her kids off at James's parents' house, okay? <laughs> James, the man that she's currently charged with murdering. At their grandparents' house. Yeah, because mean. remember her, his parents were like, we still believe in her That's innocence. Right. That's right. I mean, these poor people, right? So she was like, hey, could you watch the kids? Me and my new boyfriend are going to take a little trip. And they're going like, to get married in Mexico. Yeah. And they're like, sure, honey. They're like, sure, Miss Puglazy. Yeah. I just, it's so sad, but like, I just feel like the times were a lot different and women weren't doing shit like this and it was way easier to believe her than not to believe her, you know? It's like she was a trailblazer in bad behavior. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. In terms of being a 1950s, 1960s housewife, but 1950s at the time, right? Nobody was doing shit like this. That's why she became a celebrity, because it was unheard of. And on top of it, she was attractive for the time. I know you don't think so, <laughs> but she was attractive for the time. And on top of that, it's like, she's just doing crazy shit. Yeah, it seems like she welcomes the attention, whereas mm -hmm. I feel like a lot of like housewives of the time are like shy and demure, right? So... There's something, like, quite provocative about this person that murders people and has affairs and sleeps with lawyers and does all this crazy stuff, you know? Yeah, and then don't forget that after she, like, gets the life insurance payout, she buys, like, that, like... T-Bird. Baby Blue Ford Thunderbird and then has an affair with the guy who sold her the Thunderbird. I mean, like, she literally does not give an F. She's kind of 
incredible in that way. I don't know how there are not like tons of movies made about this woman. It's yeah. next level. So after dropping her kiddos off, she and Puglese headed south and checked into the Hotel Gin as husband and wife. Gin? Even though they were not. Gin? Yeah, gin, like gin. Like the drink? Yes. Nice. The Hotel Gin. That's also very 60s. I know. <laughs> but life became all too real when Sharon and Francis started getting low on bread. And that happened like real quick. Bread means money, by the way. I, I, I'm aware. <laughs> on September 18th, Sharon hit up a local bar and soon met a young hunk named Francisco Paredes Ordonez. The two hit it off, and soon Sharon was accompanying Francisco back to his pad at the Hotel Lavada. Francisco had offered to show her some of his photography, but allegedly the photos were a ruse, and Francisco was actually just hoping for some hanky panky. Oh, God. Maybe he even wanted to go all the way. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Instead, he'd end up dead mm. from a gunshot to the chest. And yes, Sharon Kinney had pulled the trigger. Enrique Martinez Rueda heard the gunshots and headed to Francisco's room. When he entered, he witnessed a wounded Francisco, a gun-wielding Sharon, and he was like, uh, okay, bye. But Sharon quickly fired her gun at him too. Luckily, he was not fatally wounded, sustaining a gunshot to his shoulder, and he was able to get away and in the process, lock Sharon inside the hotel room, which is kind of amazing. Yeah, how do you do that from the outside? Well, he had obviously had a master key, so he heard gunshots, uh, runs to the room, opens the door with the master key, mm. opens it, sees it, mm. then takes a gun shot to the shoulder, runs out, but closes the door and locks it again. But maybe, like, she can unlock it from the inside. Maybe, maybe it's, like, some crazy had, like, master key. deadbolt, maybe he locked, like, the deadbolt. Yeah, isn't that amazing? And then if you don't have the key, I'll open it. That's crazy. I mean, it's like really good customer service. I mean, the, cu- the customer, the customer, well, he's dead. So, well, he's the one who paid for the room. So you know, I see. Enrique's like, she, I got you, dude. She could be a future customer. The customer's always right. I mean, she just shot him. So for him, he's like, let's creep, keep this crazy bitch inside this hotel yeah, room. It's a good move. Yeah. So he locks her inside the room, and of course, then he calls the fuzz. The police, FBI. I don't have to translate. <laughs> I just feel like I have to. You don't have to. I know Why? what the fuzz is. It's way better if I translate. Sharon would later tell the fuzz that she shot Francisco in self-defense after he came on to her. Nice. And then when Enrique entered the room, she was sure that he was after her too. Accomplice. So she had to shoot him as well. Yeah. And police were like, yeah, right. You obviously wanted to hook some cash from Francisco, and when he refused your demands, you shot him. And then you shot Enrique because he was a witness and you hoped he'd die too. And Sharon's like, what? No. Sharon was charged with homicide and assault with a deadly weapon. While Sharon maintained her innocence, the fuzz obviously were not buying it. After searching Sharon and Francis's room, remember her boyfriend that she fled to Mexico mm-hmm, with, mm-hmm. they retrieved two additional guns to the one she had fired at both Francisco and Enrique, so three guns total, as well as hella ammunition. That led to the arrest of Sharon's boyfriend as well, Francis Puglesi. 
His charges included illegal entry into the country and carrying an illegal firearm. So obviously, if you're coming into the country on vacation, that's fine. But if you're coming into the country with plans of living there, that's not fine, right? You have to have, like, a visa for that or whatever. Amazingly, one of the guns found in Sharon and Francis's room proved to be the missing gun that had been used to kill Patricia Jones. But because Sharon had been acquitted of Patricia's murder, it literally did not matter. Double jeopardy, right? Is that That's right. Is? That's exactly correct. Double jeopardy is double jeopardy. It's a movie about that. About double jeopardy? I think it's called Double Jeopardy. And a guy, like, gets away with murder, and then he's like, well, now I'm going to murder someone. This, I can't remember. I think Jeremy Irons is in it. I have a lot of issues with the American judicial system, but double jeopardy is still one of the most insane things to me. If you get acquitted and then it is absolutely proven without a shadow of a doubt that you are actually responsible for that murder, how can you not be tried again? Well... Why? Yeah, like, I why? Know. I don't know. But I, I guess it's to stop prosecutors just always taking you to trial. It, you know what I mean? Like it's, totally. But if you're acquitted, then maybe it's like unless there is... Like, actual evidence, you can't take somebody to trial. But there's actual evidence. But isn't there, like, a... There's a different thing that isn't being acquitted, right? There's, like, a mid-ground where they're, like, we're not going to pursue this, but we're not going to say you're acquitted. If there's a mistrial, then you... they The prosecutor can choose to then retry you. But they can also choose to not. Right. Right? And then they and can then, wait. Yes. And then they can try you later. But if you're acquitted, she was acquitted, and then... Now, this missing gun, the murder weapon, the exact, was a perfect match to the bullet casings found by Patricia's body. Remember, she had been shot, like, a gajillion times. Yeah. They find this gun, and they're like, oh, my God, Sharon had this gun. Everybody knew that she killed her, but they just couldn't prove it. And also, even if they could prove it, the jury was so biased at that point, too, and everybody knew that as well. But she'd been acquitted. Now they find this gun. This poor woman died at the hands of Sharon. They literally find the murder weapon in Sharon's possession, and they can't do anything about it. I just find it crazy to me that Double Jeopardy is just, like, it. That's it. That's all that happens. If you've been acquitted, you can never be retried. What if you murdered, like, 75 kids, and you were acquitted because there's not enough evidence, and then five years later... What Double Jeopardy? Is that the same thing? That's what I'm saying. Double Jeopardy is just Double Jeopardy. Like, there's what, we no... Call, weren't we just calling it something else? No. Did I just have a stroke? Yeah, you did. What are you talking about? It's, we literally have only called it Double Jeopardy. Double Jeopardy? Dude, yeah, I'm losing it. Are you insane? I'm losing it. You literally just said I there's a movie called I think I fell asleep and woke up again. <laughs> you were like, there's a movie. Jeremy Irons is in it. And now you're like, what's Double, Double Jeopardy? Jeopardy? You just said it. Your own words. You want me to pause the recording and then replay it for you? You just told me that Jeremy Irons is in it. Uh... There are, like, rules in some states, I know that, for a fact, that after you're convicted, you have two years, exactly, to prove or to find new evidence that could overturn your conviction. So why does that not apply the other way? That's, that's, a, that's good. That's a good system. Two years. I mean, like, this isn't very long afterwards. So it's the same freaking year. It's the same year. Yeah, I'm not that mad about that. Although I guess like the con the concept is you're innocent until proven guilty, and then once you have been found innocent by a, a jury, a jury of, your of your peers, peers yeah. then like you should not be held on probation 
right? For a crime that you've already been acquitted of. I just feel like you can be released and whatever and live your life, but then you, the like police and authorities have a certain amount of time to uncover evidence. This happened months later. I feel like it's insane to me that they found the, the weapon, this poor family who lost a mother and a wife and whatever, a sister, a daughter, cannot ever see justice just a few months after the trial. Yes, it's I, sad. I agree in this circumstance, but can mm-hmm. you picture another circumstance where the prosecutor has a boner to send someone who's innocent to jail and they get acquitted, but then for two years, the prosecutor can just like harass that person, like constantly follow them, constantly go through the trash. Do you know what I mean? Like totally. There's some element of it that I think was bought in. Like, I don't think double jeopardy or whatever it's actually called. Double jeopardy. Um, um, was an original concept. I think mm-hmm. it came about because there were so many abuses of the system. And so they had to introduce it. And like, maybe it's like a stupid introduction. Yeah. He's tweaking. But I think like there was a reason why they added it into the judicial system. I just feel like with even don't even make it two years, make it six months, eight months, whatever. And then allow this little time of, Hey, we were rushed because you are entitled to a speedy trial. So we were rushed. We didn't have the evidence, but now we know for a fact that they did it. I feel like eight months later, you should be allowed to overturn a not guilty verdict if you find evidence proving without a shadow of a doubt someone's guilt. So yeah, double jeopardy is double jeopardy, like we said. And... Is it double indemnity? What's that one? No, I don't know what that is. Is that just a game show? Yeah, no. (laughs) <laughs> it's not. Isn't Jeopardy a game show? Jeopardy is a game show. So if you go on Jeopardy twice, you uh, can't get prosecuted? Okay, anyways. <laughs> okay, so yeah, like I said, double Jeopardy is double Jeopardy. So it doesn't really matter that the gun is found. There's no way that American officials can reach retry her or recharge her or whatever. But that does not stop Mexican officials from mm. holding her for this new murder and also the assault against the hotel employee. So Mexican officials continued to hold both Sharon and Francis until Francis was cleared of all charges against him. Nice. He was, however, deported back to the U.S. They're like, all right, fine, dude, you can can get out of jail, but get the hell out of our country. We never want to see your freaking face again. Sharon, however, remained imprisoned, and her defense attorneys took action, claiming that Mexican officials were holding her unlawfully, since she had only fired her gun in self-defense, duh. Mm -hmm. Those men were after her. The claim was quickly shot down, and Sharon prepared for her trial in the summer of 1965. Because Francis had been deported, it was assumed that the same would be done for Sharon, whether or not she was convicted. So there was always a little bit of like, okay, well, at least I'll get sent home and then maybe I'll have a shot of clearing things up back in America. But unfortunately for Sharon, the Mexican judicial system was not playing and she was convicted and subsequently sentenced to 10 years in prison. Sharon immediately appealed her conviction, hoping to at the very least shorten her sentence. However, the appeal did the exact opposite. Her 10-year sentence 
became 13 years. That's crazy. I know. It's amazing. I don't even know if that's legal. <laughs> like, I mean... They were like, hey, no, we hear you. And they even took away a robbery charge. But then they were like, upon investigation or upon review, we realize now you actually got quite a lenient sentence. Yeah, they're like, you asked for this. Mm -hmm. We looked at it. Yeah, and you actually deserve more yeah. time. Plus, don't waste my time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they were like, thank you so much for wasting our time and now that we've looked at this we see that hey you murdered somebody you should probably get additional years so it becomes 13 years unlucky for some yeah and it only further proved her guilt according to them and so away she went to serve her sentence it was during this time that sharon adopted her infamous nickname la pistolera or the gunfighter which she is still commonly referred to as to this very day Sharon absolutely hated prison, and she constantly complained about the state of the prison and facilities. It just wasn't it for her, and she was not having any part of it. On the evening of December 7th, 1969, the Mexican prison housing Sharon Kinney experienced an unusual power outage. But after the power came back on, everything was groovy yet again. Mm -mm. <laughs> don't, no. Don't uh -uh. shake your head at me. Nope. <laughs> Guards made their way around the prison taking roll call as they usually did, but Kinney was not present for the 5 p.m. roll. Her absence was not a major concern until she later failed to show up at the second routine roll call later that evening. This sounded some serious alarm bells. After a quick search, it was official. Sharon Kinney had escaped. Nice. Prison officials alerted Mexico City police at 2 a.m. the following morning. So just literally a few hours later. Setting off a manhunt for the now alleged escapee. While Mexican authorities scoped out everywhere they believed that Sharon might be in and around Mexico City and beyond, based on comments she'd made and inmates she'd grown close to while in prison who had since been released, the FBI was also alerted under the belief that Sharon would probably try to make her way back to the U.S. But the FBI was probably not the best ally because they really didn't have any jurisdiction. That's another thing that's insane to me is freaking jurisdiction is absolutely insane in this country. I get it maybe, maybe with out-of-country things, but... It blows my mind how many cases I listen to where it's like a different county. So if I went missing in Pasadena, for example, you could not go to LAPD. You would have to go to Pasadena police, you know? If you're like, um, she lives in LA, but we were in Pasadena when it happened, they'd be like, okay, well, that's, I'm so sorry, but you have to drive to Pasadena or call Pasadena and then report it. Like they are not even allowed to take a report. They're not allowed to do anything with it. And to me, it's like absolutely insane. And again, Sharon Kinney, who is now tied to two, three murders and one attempted murder, who's an American citizen who fled while on bond or bail in America. She didn't flee. She fled. She went on a honeymoon. Nah, she, she fled. <laughs> Bitch, fled. And the FBI are like, mm, yeah, this woman is dangerous, right? Dangerous as hell. But they're like, hey, no, she went missing in your country. She's your problem now. And I don't like that at all. It just seems so weird to me. So now it was up to Mexican officials to find Sharon. 
while the Mexican press had a mother effing field day. Headlines ran rampant with theories that Sharon had bribed prison guards to turn the power off as a decoy while she escaped. The press also claimed that Sharon had help from a lover, a Mexico City officer. Hell yeah. But it was likely that the prison was simply understaffed and maybe too lax when it came to security. At least it seemed that way after police spoke to prison guards and officials. To this day, Sharon Kinney has never been found. The more recent theories speculate that Sharon had been helped by her former lover, Francis Ordonez. I'm sorry, when was this? In 65? 69. 69. Yeah. 1969. So the more recent theories speculate that Sharon had been helped by her former lover, Francis Ordonez, and that after he helped her escape, she was then killed by his very own family. While Mexican authorities stated they believed that Sharon had crossed the border into Guatemala. By December 18th, literally one week and one day after Sharon's escape, Mexican officials bowed out of the search, fully believing that Sharon could literally be anywhere in South America. Yeah, fuck it. Having learned Spanish fluently while imprisoned. <laughs> but really, they just had nothing to go on. No real leads, no trace of Sharon whatsoever. Now, nearly 52 years later, Sharon Kinney remains at large. The warrant for her arrest for the murder of James Kinney is the longest outstanding warrant in Kansas City and one of the longest felony warrants in the history of the United States of America. If alive today, Sharon Kinney would turn 82 years old this November. It's crazy. It's absolutely insane. So a couple of theories that I read as well was that there were multiple people that said that Sharon had dressed up like a man in order to <laughs> escape from prison because apparently she was at an all-women's prison. So if she dressed up like a man, people would assume that she was a guard of some sort. Right. And that also she was effing a bunch of guards. I mean, she was definitely effing a bunch of guards. And they were like, I'll help you, baby. And then well, she Spanish. escaped. I also read a theory that Sharon had actually gone to Alaska because she had a bunch of relatives there. And that was widely believed by a lot of people. They just could never track her down. Alaska is a big place with mm -hmm. not many people in it. Exactly. So, yeah, maybe. That's yeah. a long way from Mexico. Totally. And like getting, crossing the border, she would have had to, I mean, the woman is so smart. I was going to say she had to be, she had to be so smart, but she is so smart and clearly she has a knack for crime. Like that's just her life. I think a prison escape is pretty exciting. Absolutely. Were there any theories on how she got out of the prison? Or was just, it was just like she dressed up like a guard? Well, like, there was... She either dressed up like a guy yeah. or she bribed the guards because there was a... That power outage was, like, unusual. That didn't happen at that prison. It was, like, weird. And everyone noted, noted that, like, hey, the night that she escaped, there happened to be this power outage. And it was, like, very weird. The prison went absolutely pitch black. Did anyone else escape? No. Mm. No. It mm. wasn't like some sort of thing. So it just, it does kind of pose the question of, was the, was the power outage part of the escape? I mean, it's definitely very convenient. But yeah, also I could, see, a, I could see how if the power goes out, it's easier to absolutely. escape. Absolutely. No alarms go off. Right. Nothing. You open a door. There's no lights. Yes. And then afterwards, prison officials also said that there was a door that was unlocked that was usually always locked. I 
She definitely had help, absolutely, by either a guard or whatever. I would not put it past her. She was such a charmer. She seemed to have a boyfriend everywhere she went, at least, you know? Every aspect or stage of her life, she had multiple lovers or men, like, vying for her. Well, yeah, especially to get what she wanted, right? Absolutely. She wanted a T-bird. She boned a car salesman. She went on vacation. She had sex with a guy who wanted to go to Mexico. Right. I don't know. It's like and like the 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 T bird salesman, right? That's the best example of it because he wouldn't leave his wife and family, his kids. She then killed his wife, but meanwhile, she had a boyfriend the whole time. So it was not even like she was necessarily wanting to settle down. It's just that she was pissed that he wasn't devoted just to her. Yeah. She is legitimately a narcissist and she is a psycho. I think it's just great that her daughter didn't grow up believing that she killed her father. Oh, so she, I forgot. So she just left the kids with yeah. the grandparents. Yeah, there's went no to Mexico, reports. got arrested. I know. Can you imagine growing up and then later finding out like, hey, this is what happened? I wonder when James Kinney's parents finally were like, oh, she's psycho. I don't know why we believed her for that long. Maybe when she escaped. Maybe when she shot the other guy in Mexico. The fact that this woman murdered three people. She's technically like a serial killer. Because isn't it like if you kill two people? <laughs> I think it's two. I think it's three. Is it three? That's still too low. I feel like I could accidentally kill three people. <laughs> what? Well, let's say I was driving my car, uh, the axle broke, and it span out of control, and I hit three people on the sidewalk. Am I now a serial killer? No. I mean, that's accidental. You're just what very What if I was unlucky. aiming for him? Am I a serial killer? A serial killer is typically a person who murders three or more people in two or more separate events over a period of time for primarily psychological reasons. Separate events. There are gaps of times between the killings. That's right, because of cooling off period. Right. That's how they determine them. So if you accidentally killed a bunch of people, that would suck, but you wouldn't be a serial killer. So... Even if you purposely kill a bunch of people at one time. Right, so like killer. the gunman in Vegas that killed all those people at that festival. No, he's not, not a serial killer. killer. He's just an asshole. Yeah, and I guess like it's primarily for psychological reasons, which I think in her case, you could make the argument that it's not, but you could also make the argument that it is. I think it is. It's like narcissistic. Yeah. But the last murder, right, Francisco Ordonez... That was, she was just trying to rob him. She was trying to rob him. She <laughs> yeah. obviously held him at gunpoint. And she was like, give me your money. And he was like, no, bitch. And then she shot him. I don't think that that was necessarily psychological. You don't, but you don't know what happened in that room. She might have been like, hey, I want you to love me. And he was like, I just want to fuck. And she was like, what the, what? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, you don't know. He could have rejected her. There could have been all kinds yeah, of stuff. Yeah, totally. Totally. Because it's her word against... Right. Well, it's not a even dead her man's. It's her word in court when she was lying to try and get right, out of it. Right. So it's not that's not even reliable. And then now she's living on the moon with Hitler. So do you believe that she's still alive, eighty two years old? That's pretty old. Mm-hmm. She could be though. Yeah, sure. But also I mean, give it get odds, I would say two to one, she's dead. 
I'd love to know. Yeah, it's I hard agree. to live on the run. Like mm-hmm. you don't live a great. We just went life. through a freaking pandemic. Also, <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah, but like I'm serious. Like, how like we just went through a pandemic now? But how many other things have happened throughout the years, a lot. right? But also, I'd love to know where the theory came that her previous lover, Francis, right, Ordonez, uh-huh. helped her escape. What happened to him? He got deported and then what? He got deported. But then there was a crazy theory, and I don't know. It had to have come from somewhere that he helped her escape, but then his family murdered her. Yeah, out of, like, that, revenge. But, like, but there was multiple, pre- like, multiple press headlines or whatever that ran Maybe his family that. are, like, connected or have mm-hmm. some weird links. Or, like, hey, fuck you for getting our son deported to the United States because he was a Mexican but American-born. That makes sense. No. No, I'm sorry. He was a Mexican-born American citizen. So he got deported back to to America, and then his family helped her escape but then murdered her out of revenge. Seems like a lot. It absolutely seems like a lot. It seems like a little bit far-fetched and it seems like a salacious headline if you ask me. Well, it's like, why would you spring someone? That seems like a lot of trouble to Mm -hmm. then murder them. Um, Yeah, I don't know. I can see her getting help to escape, getting out, disappearing, dying of something that's completely not related to all her crimes. You know? Totally. Someone knows something. Let's keep this in mind. Because one thing that kept popping up in my brain while I was doing all this research was like, how the hell is this story not more known, right? Mm -hmm. 1969, she flees to Mexico in September. But the previous month is the month that Sharon Tate and four other people were murdered at the hands of the family, right? Charles Manson's family. Okay. By December, she's escaped. But Charles Manson, obviously becomes, like, absolutely effing crazy news because they have to do the whole raid. They all get taken to jail. It takes a while for, like, his little disciples to come out and say what happened, uh-huh. right? They're all crazy. And I feel like 69, For there are probably so many things that happened that nobody heard about because Manson ruled the headlines. He sucked up all the air. Absolutely. Right. Between the Tate murders... And then the LaBianca murders, like, who was really paying attention to anything else? We still are making movies and talking about Charles Manson, like, every week. The guy's dead. And it's still a huge part of pop culture. So I just feel like this this story is so insane, but Charles Manson was, like, another type of insane. That this is the reason that this fell by the wayside. Because... She was a celebrity. It would only take somebody like Charles Manson to knock her off and become way more famous, you know? Because this story is insane. Like, it's absolutely insane. The fact that she has never been found. She was a celebrity in America. So if she escaped prison in Mexico and then went to South America, who's going to fucking know shit about that story? Nobody. Especially at that, that time. It's not like the internet. She has the longest felony in Kansas City. It's like, yeah, in America, know, it's still a big but deal. But you know what I'm saying? It's like, do you know who has the longest felony in Berlin? Like, it's purely, she's, she was famous in America for being, like, the black widow or whatever. I just think she was super famous until Charles Manson became super in famous. In America, yes. Yeah. So, like, she lost all her press coverage, so that makes it easy for her to go undetected if she's in America. But also, if you're in Mexico, you could go south. No one's going to know who the fuck you yeah. are. And then 
it probably could have popped off. But when Mexican officials reached out to America, they're like, hi, do you know what just happened here? We have a lot of shit to deal with, right? We cannot deal with this right now. Like, we cannot deal with this. Like, the FBI is literally trying to infiltrate a cult. Has anyone ever been like, here's a sighting? Like, we think we saw her. Honestly, in all my research... I didn't read a single sighting of this woman. Yeah, I bet someone on Reddit has written about it. Okay, so I just looked up some possible sightings of her, right? Mm. Um, there are literally none. Absolutely none. The FBI closely watched the home of her relatives in Alaska okay. for a while afterwards, but no sighting of her ever popped up. Then this woman comments on this thread and says, I'm the daughter of Patricia Jones, who was murdered by Sharon Kinney. Okay. My brother and I spent our lives running from this woman as our father often told us she was after him. This is, this woman claims, and she wrote that on September 6, 2018. And this is homie, the used car salesman. Yes. For years, according to this woman, who claims to be this daughter says that for years she spent her life in fear of her. Like, that's still not a sign. There's a couple of theories, too, that Mexican authorities, after the FBI were like, hey, we don't have jurisdiction, Mexican authorities got really pissed off, and they were like, it's your fault that she's not behind bars and that Mexican authorities had killed her. There's a couple of theories of that as well. That I don't really buy that. That doesn't make sense. No, I don't buy that at all, actually. But to this day, it's like the FBI field office tips hotline is still available and open for tips about Kinney's whereabouts. So if you do know where she is, you can call 816-474-TIPS or visit www.fbi.gov. I don't think she's alive. I really don't. Maybe like 10 years ago I would have believed it. What was it, 82? What? She would be 82. This November, her birthday's in November. Yeah, it's pretty old. Mm Mm-hmm. All right, so the reality is this woman is crazy. Whether or not she lived a long, prosperous life or found some other, like, very sinister fate, she was a murderer. (laughs) Yeah. An absolute cold-blooded murderer. And I am... Absolutely shocked that there are not movies about this one. Yeah, I think that's the like, it's less the thing she did is crazy, but it's less crazy to me than the fact that I didn't know anything about it. Dude, Margot Robbie is ready to play this woman on screen a hundred percent, driving down with a little scarf over her head in a Ford Thunderbird. Hell yeah! Yeah. It's just wild. The story is absolutely wild. But, I mean, she got away with it, dude. She got away. She never, ever, ever... How long was she in the Mexican jail for? Five years. Less than five years. Just less than five years. After killing three people and attempting to murder another. Less than five years. Because she really hated that prison. It was really gross. (laughs) She didn't like the facilities. All right, you guys. Thanks so much. Again... I'm so sorry it took so long to get this episode out. I really, really, really mean that. If you could please rate and review the show, I would really appreciate it. There are links down below to support the show. 
Um, because yeah, it's a lot and we're doing our best, but, uh, it's actually like super fun for me. So let me know if you guys have suggestions for cases. I'd love to hear it. Drop those down in the comments on whatever podcast listening app you're using. All right, you guys, thanks so much. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.